Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, good morning indeed. There is war going on for our souls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in the war there are many battles, and in many battles there are skirmishes, and in many skirmishes people get hurt, and there are many casualties. And so today I pray, Father, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to recognize, first of all, to accept and, and, and uh, um, the battle as true, as real, and to uh, devote ourselves to you, Lord God, that we might be more than conquerors, even as you've called us to be victorious, not victims. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have given us the way. You said, follow me. I am the way. So we ask today that you give us hearts to believe and and courage in those hearts to walk and follow after you and to prevail against the enemy, Father God, in Jesus' name. We also bind the powers of darkness, especially the prince of the power of the air, who's messing with the frequencies and the vibrations and trying to drive people crazy. We bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. And we pray that you put the shields around around us. May the shields of God surround his people, his remnant, and may those shields protect us from the onslaught of the evil one, and that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken against us will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble, reproach, discouragement, despair, defeat, death, or destruction. Lord God, I pray this divine protection upon each one who listens, upon all that pertains to them, every member of their families, all of our families, those who work for us, pray for us, come alongside of us, those who uh, have benefited from this show before that your awesome revelation, your deep love for us, your compassion, your answers to prayer, your breakthroughs would be coming now as, as, as the rain on a dry parched land, Lord God, that you'd bring hope and help and healing. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are the faithful witness. You're the one who stands to testify against the enemy on our behalf in the court of heaven. Give us wisdom now in Jesus name. Amen. Well, good morning again, and uh, my husband is still gone, flying home today, praise God. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a curious question here. I woke up in the middle of the night with this question, and I wrote it down, and I thought, hmm, interesting, I think I'll talk about that today. Are you being attacked and, by demons and don't even know it? Could it possibly be that your life and the horrendously subtle and twisted uh, things that happen to you, the twisting of the truth and the daily perversions of justice that you get so used to have become so familiar that we don't even recognize them as a d- diabolical, deliberate strategy and attack against us. And truly, that is what is going on. There's an attack against the righteous, uh, and that will continue until Jesus Christ uh, returns to the earth. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the, in the power of his might. It is only his might, not our might, not our control, not our uh, you know, planning, not our uh, strategies. It's his might um, to put on the whole armor of God. And by the way, don't even take it off. Just sleep in it. You may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles are the schemings, the plans, the plots, the strategies of the evil one. So we see with that word wiles, there is a connotation of him being very, intelligent, very deliberate, very diabolical, very insidious, and he is very insidious. If you ever track him and look at what he has done, even in the very, very, very first uh, confrontation with humans in the garden, how he actually used Eve's desire for God as as a bait for the hook to catch her, to take a, a, a nibble off of the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil, as if she wasn't exposed to all the wisdom and knowledge in the whole universe. Uh, uh, prior to that but she was she didn't know that she didn't know there was something uh, and she believed there's something could more something she was missing yes she was missing all the bad stuff but he used her desire for God he's very subtle that way he will use your desire for for love or health or relationships or meaning purpose success uh, recognition he will use all of these things and we're vulnerable in all of these points because not only do we need you know, various things present to sustain human life or our physical life. Like 
right air pressures and temperatures and, um, you know, food and nourishment and water, uh, neurological uh, transmissions and impulses. We need these things to live. Uh, they're, they're basic, our, our physical being, but we also are vulnerable in, in many other ways. And when Satan comes in, putting us in a position of pressure to begin to um, put us in crisis or panic mode, uh, then he begins to, as he's got our attention, basically, he begins to offer solutions to relieve the panic, the pain, the fear, the terror, the dread, the lie, the circumstance to relieve that. And once um, he gets our attention and we're desperate, then he offers us a solution to the problem, which then becomes an opportunity for him to bring in the second wave of attacks against our being, whether it's a physical attack or a spiritual attack or in your relationships. But in going on continuing in Ephesians, he says, um, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We think we do. We've seen that constantly displayed in our uh, news networks and, and all the pictures and the videos and the, 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 the arguments and the talk shows and the debates and the picketing and the this and that. But these are not the enemy. These, what we see, are the manifestations of the enemy using human bodies and beings and mouths and to, to push for his agenda, which is division, disunity, war, alienation, bitterness, um, self-righteousness, pride, uh, all of these things. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, you know, in your own home. It's not your enemy or your wife or your child that is your enemy. If you saw this properly and you saw this as God sees it, you see it, we'll see it differently. You'll begin to, as as we talk today, to see what's really going on in the spiritual world. And then you can take action accordingly. And you don't have to be so frustrated uh, with things that don't work. He says, but we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places there is a second heaven where these entities dwell and they dwell and they come and they manifest on earth as powers and principalities rulers of darkness um and and you know we have no means against them except for god you know therefore he says take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand withstand in the evil day and having done all the stand. And unfortunately there's another evil day coming. That's probably exponentially uh, more severe than the one we're in right now. And that's the one where the, the, the devils are actually, as the book of revelation tells us loosed onto the earth. Um, I think they're already here. Some of them, I don't think they're all here, but going to be a more of a, they're going to be kicked out of a heaven. I don't know if they're kicked out of the second heaven. I know they were kicked out of the first heaven or the third heaven, I should say, but that'd be God's heaven. Stand therefore, having girded yourself with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and have your feet shod with the, the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Wicked one, notice. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's go to our topic. Um, so we're looking at how these these uh, various. Um, uh, powers, principalities, entities, demons, devils, whatever they are, can really raise extreme havoc in a person's life. Um, they're like, you know, if you think of it like this, your life is, is like a, a string. It's, and, and on this string are strung beads. Some beads are good, beautiful, and some are the beads of the wicked one who's come to use that to choke us. Um, to shoot at the righteous, that's his plan. In, in Psalm uh, 37, God says, Do not fret against the evildoers, nor be envious of those who prosper in the way. He says, um, those who draw the sword and bend the bow against the righteous, to shoot at them. Um, there's, this is the everyday activity of the evil one. However, if he can convince you that he doesn't exist or that this is no big deal um, or that it's just fate or bad luck, or an accident, or somebody else's fault, or it's something you did or could have, should have done differently, or you're guilty of not being responsible. If the devil can convince you of all of those options or taking on those lies, then he doesn't have to take responsibility for the sin himself. He can always point back to us and say, God, well, they agreed with me. They did it. They sinned. And now they believe. They agree with guilt. They agree with fear. I have a right to bring this demonic judgment upon them. Um, so we see that there are uh, there, there's so much of a battle going on, and it's very so subtle that people don't really see it. Um, there are spirits. There are different entities. I'm going to talk a little bit right now about their names. You know, people have a hard time 
thinking of their lives because we've been so programmed. Thinking of it in terms of a spiritual reality with spiritual beings, uh, the powers in the second heaven, the entities, principalities, you know, Leviathan, uh, witchcraft, Jezebel, and then the smaller, more intimate demons, if you demons, if you will. So let's look at the, a couple of the names. Um, the the angel there is, for example, there's the angel of light. Um, there's the, those those are the the demons who come. This is uh, Corinthians 11, I think it's Second Corinthians. They come as ministers of righteousness. They come um, as bearers of knowledge and wisdom and worship and faith, and they work with our feelings and they conceal themselves. Uh, they come in through our emotions, our hearts, and our minds, and they conceal themselves uh, as a as if they're God, the, 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 this, I call them the second person impersonators. They impersonate God to us and us, you know, that, that we are in the presence of God when many times we're in the presence of a very uh, a, a brilliant Nahash, Nahash, the serpent in the garden of a, a sparkling, slithering, shimmering serpent who is, was the worship leader of heaven known as Lucifer, who is able to conduct huge, awesome, uh, Appearing, appearing to be uh, moves of God, revivals, worship services, whatever you want to call it, and it's a it's an angel of light. It's a false anointing. It's a it's a, a work of of darkness. And yet Jesus said, of course, he says, if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? If you are be, uh, believing a lie, who's going to convince you differently? And one of the one of the princi- principal uh, powers and principalities is that spirit of blindness, and that accompanies what the devil is doing to harden the heart and cause us to become blind so that we cannot prevail. We cannot see, we cannot discern, we cannot see what's going on. So we see that these spirits, you know, the prince of the power of the air for is another one. He's, um, he's focused his assignment, his uh, turf, if you will, is the airways. And he is over the frequencies. He's over the vibrations and we are made of vibrations When God created us. He created the world. He created, he spoke the word and the word is basically the, the vibrations that you hear in your ear. That is the word, and it's interpreted. It's, and God's word spoken was Jesus Christ, and it brought forth uh, the plants, the animals, the stars, the, the moons, the waters, the firmament, uh, the land, all the things that we see, because God is not limited at all. He is incredibly powerful, and over all his creation, including the things in his creation that have rebelled and gone bad, God is still over them, and God has uh, complete control over all of it. That's a, that's good news for us because he has the final say on what happens to you. You don't even have the final say in what happens to you in some ways. It says, if my heart condemns me in uh, first John, God is greater than my heart and knows all things. So sometimes the devil can get you to go along with him and condemn yourself, condemn your heart. I'm bad. I'm guilty. I'm stupid. I'm no good. Um, I self-hatred, self-blame, self-condemnation, self-bitterness, all of these demons can prevail in per, uh, persuading you to believe and make judgments even against yourself, but God is the final judge. And so um, that's good to know because he knows everything and we surely have been tricked because the devil is very diabolical, intelligent, and insidious, and he has a strategy. And this is, you know, um, the, like we said, the wiles of the devil. Uh, m- remember the story where Jesus said when the devil leaves someone, he goes and finds seven other demons more uh, powerful uh, then himself, they, co- they collaborate and they scheme and strategize to get back into the person and his last end is worse than the beginning. But they actually, this demon is intelligent. He's got to go out and find somebody's buddies who are willing to, to uh, work with him to take out that person because they have assignments. Uh, the strong man, Jesus talked about the strong man. He says when this, a stronger comes, he, he, he you know, comes in and divides the house and, and steals the goods, steals the gifts. Um, and sets even sets us up in opposition to ourself, as Second Timothy talks about. He sets us up in a war against ourselves because you cannot have a war if you've only got one side. That's just logical. So for the devil to get to take us out, he has to create a war, either a war between us and a, and a fellow human being, or within us an, an internal war where he sets us up in opposition to ourselves, as First, uh, as Second Timothy. Uh, 2, 24, 5, and 6 talks about, and, and you can only get that in the old King James, in opposition to ourselves. The new King James is in opposition, but it's to ourselves. You know, that's saying that you're your own worst enemy. Well, these are the demons that come to um, uh, beseech their powers, their, uh, their call upon 
uh, you know, their, their power, their privilege to take you out. And the question is, are you going to cave, believe them? Or are you going to believe God? So these are very intelligent beings. Um, they are uh, well-programmed, well-thought-out in their strategies, um, you know, to bring us to destruction. Uh, we also have other, I'm going to name a few more demons. We have the devil, obviously, and there may be more devils than one. He may be Satan. There may, may be many Satans, as it's a plural in some instances and references. We have Nahesh. We have Mastema. Mastema is uh, the devil or demon or Satan. I should say Satan in the book of Joshua when uh, he came to provoke God regarding Abraham. Uh, in Job, he's seen as the, um, this one of the sons of God. These were uh, and are the fallen sons of God. These were the angels. And, um, and they came and, and we have, then we have the fallen angels. Obviously that's a, that's all of them. It's kind of a, a descriptive title of what happened to them. We have Belial, we have Beelzebub, we have the God of this world. And really for now in this time that you in life, in our life, in your, the whole point of your life, every, from the moment of your conception to the moment you pass on to, to glory or go through the gates of death, the angel, uh, the God of this world is in charge of this world. That doesn't mean he gets to do everything he wants. As a matter of fact, that's where the battle is because he thinks he should be able to. And Jesus met him in the wilderness, in the wilderness where um, the devil tempted him and said, you know, bow down to me and I'll give you all of these kingdoms. Um, he was, that was the God of this world that was talking to Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, they're not yours. Um, he wouldn't bow down. But for the time being, they were his. He had illegally gotten them. He had cheated to get them. But you know how many times people steal and get to keep what they stole for a while? I mean, until justice comes. And this is what's happened. You know, uh, people, you know, do something deceptive and they win, the, they win the prize. They get the gold medal. They get the trophy. They get the recognition. And they've cheated They've stolen from someone else that which was, and they, and they lied to do it. They, they cheated, but they still have it. And that's what's kind of here with the devil, the, the God, the God of this world. He still has what he stole, what has been, what he's stolen, but he won't have it forever. And Jesus also calls him the snatcher, the, the snatcher he calls Satan in Matthew 13. Um, Satan is known, of course, Jesus described in John four, I mean, John eight as a liar and a liar from the beginning, a murderer, a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, so the snatcher is kind of just another, he snatches in this particular case, he was stealing, snatching the word of God from the hearts and the minds of the people. So they were like really in a stupor. They were zombified. And I think we're spiritual, spiritually being spiritually being zombified by the God of this world who and the prince of the power of the air, they kind of all work together in collusion, cooperating with one another to just... Um, delete us or or uh, disqualify us or uh, annul any life and purpose and gifts that God would have uh, for us. And so we become very um, subdued. We become overwhelmed. We become terrified, panicked, obviously. But the that's one entity. The, the devils, the fallen angels are fallen angels. They're also called the watchers. Then we have another uh, uh, echelon of demonic of, of, of evil entities that work in the kingdom of darkness and they're that they're they're the demons and the demons are kind of like the worker bees they're the ones who get right in there and get inside they're your personal sized uh, worker bee demons that kind of um uh try to infest uh specifically invade human beings and they they're they're also called familiars or familiar spirits uh these are the ones who come down the bloodlines, the, de- the generational bloodlines. They kind of soften the ground. They prepare. They, they're bringing the lies, the agreements, the conditions, whether they're physical conditions, medical conditions, circumstances, uh, tragedies, whatever it is, accidents. They bring whatever, uh, you know, um, they work in their different little, little areas of expertise. So whatever area they, they, they've gotten agreements with in your generational bloodline, through the assaults and the crimes that have been committed against your people, they will try to recreate that pattern of, of destruction and then out of that bring a demonic judgment so that the pattern, for example, you know, we see it in the medical histories of people. They are, you know, coming down with bloodline issues of, of autism or diabetes or whatever. And there are reasons for that. There is no curse 
It says the curse without a cause does not come. There's always a reason and a cause. So these are the personalized demons, the familiar spirits that come to convince you that life is as they see it and they want you to see it, not as God says. And so if you don't really get into the word, you have nothing to compare your life to. So if you are just going around in a circle of vicious circles, chasing your tail and you have nowhere to go uh, and you have nothing to compare your life to because it just goes around and you go for other, to other people for advice, you may go to the professionals for advice. You may go to the drug store for advice, the pharmacy, pharmacia. You may go to, um, you know, your friends for advice or, or other ex- experts, but, Really, that is only opinions. They can only give you guesses, good guesses, maybe sometimes opinions, maybe sometimes some correct information. But the ultimate, put it together, understand it uh, enough to, to deal with it, information, the strategy of the intelligent strategy against the evil one comes through the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit we must rest and rely upon to complete the work God has begun in us. We cannot even... Figure it out. See, another trick that the devil does is to, because you want to be good, he uses our desire for goodness to get us to try harder to be good and to be perfect and to perform well and to read self-help books and work and go through self-improvement classes and, and discipline our bodies and blah, 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 or uh, rigori- rigorously, you know, seek God and fast and tie yourself up in a knot. When the, the end result of that, well, the beginning of that is fear and the end result is fear. So you're not getting anywhere with it. But when you come to the Holy Spirit, Jesus just said, follow me. He didn't make it a whole big complicated list of this and that and whatever and laws and rules and commandments. There's only two really the command was reduced down to and expound, expounded to um, uh, upgraded to and reduced down to at the same time. Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. The second part of that commandment is to forgive. That means you release the person from your judgment so that you are not caught in that that despicable trap of judging so that the devil can judge you because the Bible says, and and Satan uses that scripture, I think it's his favorite, judge not lest you be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. So Satan says, well, it's in the word, it's in the Bible, I can do this. So if you are caught in that, Trying to get justice by judging, and that's really what it is. Anger is a sensitivity to injustice. There's been an offense. You're angry, upset, and uh, let's just talk about anger for a minute uh, because that's one of the traps because we want justice, and that's how the devil baits us. We want justice. The, the, he sets up an unjust and offense, a situation where you get ripped off. Maybe your, your bloodline, you've lost your inheritance. Maybe your siblings stole your inheritance from you, or maybe the generations before you did that, or maybe somebody was killed uh, or, or uh, tragically uh, lost life or was, was chronically ill, uh, oppressed, depressed all their life, whatever these horrible judgments are. We don't like it. And so uh, the offense, uh, Jesus says, blessed and happy is he who's, who's not offended because of me. So, but the offense becomes the focal point for a lot of people's lives, getting even, getting it right, uh, making it right, um, getting justice. And Satan says no, he knows that we hate injustice. And so he's going to set up all kinds of uh, the, the anger brings with it an energy to fight this thing, make it right, put it back, make you pay, make you apologize, uh, defend, get defensive. Um, and so the anger becomes that energy uh, and that sensitivity to injustice. Now, so whenever there's an anger springing up in your mind, in your heart, and sometimes Christians believe, oh, I can't show my anger. I can't be angry. I'm supposed to love everybody. But anger doesn't mean you don't love them. You can actually be angry and do not sin. Anger is just simply a reaction to injustice and offense. And But you need to immediately, before the day goes down, the sun goes down, the day is over, you need to take, take that offense to the high court of heaven because you cannot make it right. And it will, if you, if you can't, like, for example, little kids, let's just take little kids. They don't know what to do with their, the offenses, the injustices that they're growing up with. They're growing up in a place where perhaps a parent is not available as a parent. They're abandoning them. They're alcoholic. They're making the child raise them and protect them or make them feel better. Or the child feels obligated to fix their parent, whatever. Um, so you have a, a, a perfect uh, condition to grow an anger or an injustice that the child doesn't know what to do with. So they, they become either rebellious and push against it uh, because they feel rejected, unwanted, because they're not good enough, because the parent isn't spending time with them, isn't liking them, loving them, uh, selfish, whatever. Whatever the parent's off trying to fix their own problems, uh, ignoring the child. 
and not covering and protecting the child. And this is a huge, this is a huge beginning point for Satan to get children alienated from their, their caregivers and in that way begin to get them to himself. He begins to tutor them with um, self-talk, uh, like um, I must not be good enough. Um, you know, if I were better, they'd love me. If I'd be perfect, they wouldn't be so upset. Um, if I would have been better, they wouldn't have got divorced. Da, da, da. So you've got all of these discussions and dialogues going on in the child's mind, and there's no one there to bring truth. There's no um, you know, grandparent. There's no parent. There's no teacher. There's no one to speak life into their life and because they they don't hear any truth they just go on with the lie believing it's the truth because that's that's what they're experiencing so we have the devil setting up these are the demons who set us up to create problems um and uh so the anger then uh becomes oftentimes stuffed inside uh because what what are you going to do come against your parent you don't even know that there's an injustice You, you you just feel something's wrong you don't know what it is so you so when we swallow that anger when we can't get immediate uh, satisfaction from the anger or uh, justice, the anger becomes pulled inward, and that is called bitterness. And a lot of times, because we can't fix it, control another person, we just take on the blame. And so that becomes self-blame, self-bitterness, self-hatred. And these are these are like, oh my, they're just like acidic. They like eat you up inside. They eat up your hope. They eat up your joy. They eat up your life. They eat up uh, your energy. Because now you're consumed with this. It's almost like you spilled battery acid on your skin or something. And it just begins to eat you up and it goes crazy and you've got to get it off and it's burning. But at the same time, this burn, you don't feel right away. It just burns deep and you don't even realize you're getting second and third degree spiritual burns inside of your little being. Uh, and you, because you don't, but those, those are the, the self-hatred, self-judgment, self-condemnation. And these are the root causes of many of the physical diseases because they come up against the immune system. And we're going to go into that hopefully in a, in a bit, in a, just a short bit, bit here. So the thing is that anger, um, when there's an injustice, when there's an offense, as you get older, you need to recognize, I need to surrender this. I need to take this to the court of heaven. And whether the injustice was committed against you or you see something that was done to your parents in the bloodline uh, generationally, as you begin to take that to the court of heaven for it to be judged by God, then the criminals who got by with, uh, you know, putting a disease, uh, a chronic disease, uh, a malady, a, a, a mental illness, or whatever, upon someone in your bloodline, that God will judge that familiar spirit, that demon, and we can bind it. We can ask for God's uh, court to uh, bring justice. And what it is, is, and if this is coming through a person, which oftentimes these things do, you can bless that person, bless those who curse you. If it's been in the generations, you can forgive that person. Or if it's even in your life, release them from your judgment. And it's, I, tr- I turn it over to you, Lord God. I release, I forgive uh, so-and-so from you know, being deceived by the devil. You know the truth. You know what happened. You know everything. You are the faithful witness. And so as you begin to present your case, as we've talked about in a couple of shows back, um, you begin to get the, the burden is lifted off of you because you're not built by God to carry all the offenses that ever happened to you. Those were Jesus took them. He became a curse for us. He suffered in our affliction. He carries the weight. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And if your life is too heavy and burdensome, then you're, may I say this in a tongue in cheek, you're doing something wrong because you're trying to, to do what you cannot do. And that's very frustrating. If you've ever tried to do something you just can't do, you just don't know how to do it. Uh, after a while, you become mad at yourself because I should get this. I can't get this. But these things we're not created to do. We're not created to, call, to carry these demonic burdens and offenses and accusations. They were Jesus is our witness. He is our shield. He is our advocate. He's our defender. So when these things come up against us, we need not take it personally. It's not even about you. And this is where the devil gets us all tangled up. He gets our life, especially if you're, you want to pursue goodness, he gets your life and justice. The devil wants you to pursue, pursue sin. Your life is all about getting rid of sin or bringing justice. It really, our lives are all about the son of God and how he wants to interact with, carry us, um, reveal himself to us, uh, be there for us, and bring us to victory and protect us. Um, so he is the healer. He is the deliverer. He's our comforter. He's the one who sustains us in our afflictions. Um, and what we do, um, and, and that, however, Jesus sustaining us is an absolute foreign concept to, the, to this world. 
and to the people, most of the people, they don't, they know about a Jesus that they read about or heard about in church. They sing a song, Jesus loves me, but they have no absolute comprehension of the depth of that meaning and what that can do for their lives. So they're living in kind of a spiritual fog. So um, it's a strategy. So the spiritual, here's the deal. To get to the specifics of, you know, what's, what's behind the autism, what's behind the, um, the, the chronic this or the, the, the constant that, we have to, number one, agree that there is a spiritual reality, and it's called the kingdom of darkness, and there's a war going on. We cannot get away from this reality, even though many of us deny it um, or flat out decide to ignore it, um, that that ignorance, being ignorant and untaught, um, has already caused us to not see it or become blinded to it. So once you're blind, can you imagine fighting in a war? on a natural, physical war on a frontline battlefield, blind. They don't send any soldiers out there who are blind that I know of. There is, you've got to see. You've got to sense. You've got to know. You've got to know what's going on, who's on your left, who's on your right, what's up ahead. And you've got to be able to hear. So deaf people and blind people are not the soldiers they send out. Um, but spiritually, we have a lot of blind, spiritually deaf, spiritually blind people who are being cat, uh, destroyed in the spirit, spiritual battle because of ignorance. So that is part of the strategy of the kingdom of darkness to, is to make, you know, us, make himself invisible like he's not there. But if you go into the word of God, there's absolutely um, testimony everywhere of the devil's activities, if you will. Um, but so that's one of his strategies. The other strategy that often appears is, is in this, um, helplessness and this feelings of overwhelmed and bleak and negative and that they, that God appears to be unavailable, indifferent, weak, bad, uh, demanding, impossible to please, distant, disinterested, not interested in helping us, um, which then adds to making us feel very helpless and alone and that we're on our own. So the devil pushes people with fear into that side of the torture rack where I'm alone I'm on my own. There's nobody there for me. Nobody understands me. Um, nobody likes me. Um, and so we begin to, then he offers us the, the, the antithesis of that. Well, then take care of yourself. Um, you're your own. Take care of your, you're on your own. And so we we're on that torture rack between tormented and pulled between fear and control between, I got to be strong and I'm, and I'm scared to death. And Jesus would stand in front of you right now and say, honey, what are you doing on the torture rack? I didn't die to put you on a torture rack. Um, I died to set you free. You know, you abide in me. Let's go feed the ducks. Why are you hanging out here, you know, listening to the devil being tormented? You say, well, because I'm used to it, because I, I can do this, because um, it's, I had it coming, uh, blah, blah, blah. All lies that Satan is eager to get you to agree with so that he can bind you again and again and again. So when we feel helpless and alone and unloved, we, we go, we, we reduce down, we're being reduced down to fear or being afraid. You know, fear is the bottom line on everything the kingdom of darkness does. Everything reduces down to fear. To um, It's their bottom line. And God's bottom line is love. Everything God does elevates itself to love and revelation of Jesus Christ. Everything Satan does reduces down to fear. So if, if, what, if you say, I don't know what the will of God is, I don't know what to do today, I don't know what to blah, 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 reduce it down. Are you doing this reduced down while you're doing it? Uh, what's promoting and provoking or uh, enticing you to do this. And if it reduces down to fear, what will they think? What will they say? I don't have anything to say. I'm no good, blah, blah, blah. Reduces down to fear, then it is from hell, and it is not God's will. God would never put you in a place where he would ask you to operate in his will based out of a fear. If you got saved based out of fear of going to hell, you, may, you need to rethink this whole thing because it's not perfect love cast out fear. We are getting saved not because we're afraid of going to hell, not, not through fear, but because of a confession of faith. Remember the, um, the, the, the other criminal on the cross who said, um, you know, to his fellow criminal, we had this coming, but he's an innocent man. And then he said to Jesus, he said, um, save me. You know, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. This man had nothing to offer Jesus except his confession, his asking for help, his uh, agreement, his 
that declaration that Jesus is the Savior and he can save me and I want that. And that's all he had. That's all he needed. It wasn't about good works. It wasn't about even getting baptized at that point because he couldn't get baptized. I mean, baptism is not a magic quick fix. If you've been baptized and somebody poured water on your head, or even if you went down into the water, this is repent and be baptized. We have to know what we're doing. We can't just go through the motions. Although when people baptize their children, I really believe more specifically and correctly, they're actually dedicating their children to God, which is fine. You can dedicate them in in the hope that at some point God will reveal himself to that child, of course, and that that child will then accept as the thief on the cross the the revelation and provision of Jesus Christ as the word of God. Um, So we see that everything reduces down to fear. Um, But before we go on, the next thing I want to talk about is the specifics of like, for example, autism, confusion, deaf and dumb spirits. So let's take a commercial break here for a second. And then we'll go on. Uh, let's see. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, whoa, uh, where were we here? So often we find it hard to keep our thoughts focused amid the frenzied pace of our multitasking multimedia world. So many distractions. Should I empty my mind or should I fill it? And brain fog moves in again and we feel blanked out, blocked out, and scattered every which way. It's a tough way to live. Attention deficit, autism, and Alzheimer's have become epidemic in our modern society. It's an all-out war the enemy is waging for our hearts and minds. Where's the help? Where's the hope? Why Can't I Concentrate is Marjorie Cole's dynamic CD that shows just how the enemy is working to shut down our minds and, most importantly, how we can be free. To place your order for Why Can't I Concentrate, go to liferecovery.com. Again, that's liferecovery.com. Okay, just to summarize what we've talked about and then move forward. You know, the spiritual battle, um, this war is filled with the skirmishes and the personal battles that we fight and face every day, but we don't recognize them as battles. Daniel, actually, in the book of Daniel, witnessed this, the testimony of Gabriel, who had to fight his way through the second heaven to get to him. Jesus witnessed Satan falling as lightning from heaven. Paul battled the demons at Ephesus in the book of Acts. Peter described the devil's roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Um, so there's a, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to believe? Why is it so hard really for people to accept this spiritual explanation for what we're, we're going through um, in any way, in any area of your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, or through circumstances? Why is that so foreign to us? Uh, and, and could those demonic activities in our life be the reason that we're so easily overwhelmed or panicked or overcome uh, to the place where everybody is, you know, they take the easy, fast fix oftentimes, which is not a very wise decision. So um, let's consider, let's, let's do the, why can't I concentrate? Uh, How many people are really fogged, brain fogged out? They're spaced out. They have no energy. They're not paying attention. They can't listen. um, They can't comprehend. They don't hear. I believe a lot of that is the activity of the deaf and dumb spirits. Um, and they work to like, I, let's go to Mark for a minute. Cause we have a very good story of Jesus's uh, dealing with this autistic spirit. It was autism. I really believe it was in Mark chapter nine. Um, this is a, a plague upon your poor people who have children these days who are, you know, we say, well, you know, it's vaccinations. Well, it's, you know, too much red Kool-Aid. It's whatever, whatever, too much sugar. <clears throat> But the thing is, it is, an, uh, it is an activity, a specific, strategic, plotted against your child. And you as the parent um, can take some, some very powerful spiritual action against this thing. Because we, you know, we permit it. We, we receive the labels. We receive the diagnoses. And then we try to work within the confines and the limitations of that diagnosis. And, and with a diagnosis, there's no necessarily no cure. There's no, it's, it's your label. It's what you're going to be. It's who you are now. Uh, and you're going to have to live with this the rest of your life. And, you know, that's not okay. That's not who God called me to be. If, that, if that's not who God called you to be. And really, seriously, the bottom line in all this is we have to realize our rights and, our, and, and, and what is wrong in our thinking. The, the thing is that when Jesus died on the cross, 
he said a very powerful statement. He says, I'm going to the cross and Satan has nothing on me. And truly, if you're born again, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, set free, he paid the full price for your purchase. Then Satan, you don't owe Satan anything. And Satan has nothing on you except what he can convince you through a lie to believe he's got on you. And so with this spirit of, for example, deaf and dumb and autism, the man, the, the frustrated, sad, overwhelmed father came to Jesus and he said, um, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Then one from the multitude answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Now notice this man was not ignorant. He wasn't, you know, he knew what it was. It was a spirit. It was a demon, a mute spirit, a spirit that was keeping this boy from talking. And that's oftentimes what the autistic spirits are doing. They're keeping the children from interacting with their environment in a clear and uh, precise way. And whenever he seizes him, whenever the spirit wants to, he seizes him and he throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes with his teeth and becomes rigid. So this boy is out of control. He's not in control. He's not doing things he wants to do himself. These and when and how do you manage a child who is seizing, being seized by a demon who throws him down and foams at his mouth and grinds his teeth, you know, becomes terrified, rigid, uncooperative, extremely controlling. He says, and I spoke with your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. And, and he answered and said to him, Jesus said, oh, faithless generation. In um, the other gospel, he says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So here was a condition, a, a, an environmental circumstantial condition, uh, which I think is very clear in the world today, uh, this, the spirit of, of unbelief, faithlessness, uh, lawlessness, faithlessness, and perversion, unclean perversions like pornography, pedophilia, uh, human sacrifice, abortion, all these un, very, 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 they've given much place. Much agreement has been made with the, di- the powers of darkness, which makes even a more suffocating kind of uh, Teutonic plate over the earth that keeps us from the, 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 the revelation of God, the light of God, the breath of God, and we're suffocating underneath this. So he brought him to him, and immediately the spirit convulsed the boy. In the presence of Jesus, this thing lost it, and he fell to the ground and wallowed and foamed at the mouth. Now, at this point, you say, oh, 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 stop, stop, stop. Get his medication or do this or do that. But the, the man didn't stop Jesus. He didn't say, well, forget it. I, I can't take this. You're going to have to, you know, let, you know, don't do, don't, don't do this. So he asked the father, how long has he been, this been happening to him? And he said from childhood, so this is a long time. Uh, five minutes is a long time to be living with something like this. You know, five years is terrible. Uh, 17 years is beyond description. And how many people have lived longer than that in their afflictions and saw, believed for no hope, there's no breakthroughs. That's just so not right. We just can't let that go on. And so Jesus says, um, since a child thrown him both in the fire and in the water to destroy him. So it's a self-destroying, self-destructive, suicidal death kind of spirit upon him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So the man has still got a little faith. And he said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Now, Jesus was just saying this to make a point here. You know, you know and the, the preachers say, yeah, 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 yeah. You got to have faith. You got to have faith. If you don't have faith, it ain't going to work. Well, you know what? The man had enough faith to bring his son to Jesus. And the rest of all he had was desperation. I, and Jesus didn't say, well, you know what? Come back when you have a little more faith. Come back when you actually can say you got faith. He, he didn't even say, I've got faith. He answered the truth. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, he knew enough to say, I brought him to you, but I don't know what's going to happen. And Jesus saw the, so, so the man gave his doubt, fear, uh, affliction, circumstance, hopelessness, being overwhelmed, gave it to Jesus. He surrendered it and said, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. Please, Jesus, do something. And this is the critical point in all of our afflictions, whatever it is. Uh, whatever it is, if it's inflammation, if it's uh, infections, if it's stress, anxiety, nervousness, panic, this is the critical place right here where we go. We go to that final place of absolute surrender. Open your hands, stop trying, and receive what God has. Um, and you say, well, I don't know. God hasn't been like that for me. He's, he's always been in a, in, a, in a, he's been distant. He's been a thought, a concept, but not a, a personal uh, you know, indwelling spirit. Um, he said, help my unbelief. Then Jesus saw the people come running and he rebuked the unclean spirit. So now we have another demon. Uh, we have the mute spirit above. We have the unclean spirit now. 
who's coming from that perverse and untoward generation, that wicked generation. And this is what is eating up our children, this perversion, this uncleanness. This, this is why we need to repent. It's good for us to confess the sins of the nation. It is good for us to repent and tell God, we change our mind. We no longer give agreement to this thing. Um, and so he says, um, uh, this spirit cried out, uh, command you deaf. And then he says, um, he rebuked the unclean spirit. And he said to him, you deaf and dumb spirit. Now we have another name, deaf and dumb. The deaf and dumb spirit is a spirit that stops the person from taking in information because they're deaf, spiritually deaf, maybe mentally, emotionally shut down. They cannot take in words. They cannot take in information. They cannot re- learn. They cannot um, assimilate uh, the, in- the thoughts, the concepts. So they can't take it in. They're deaf and they're dumb because they can't process it and they can't, in their minds, they're mute. They can't express it. They can't take it in. That would be deaf. They can't express it. That would be dumb. So the, the brain is not processing. It's not taking in information. Or if it does go in, it cannot process it to articulate um, or just declare. And if a person's taken out with a deaf and dumb spirit, you know, it's like they are zombified. It's like they cannot, they're stuck. They, there's really someone else at this point is going to have to help them uh, pray over them or begin to do the repentance and the confessions and the declarations for them. And that's what the parent is, is called to do. And so then the spirit cried out and Jesus said, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. That's nice that he couldn't come back. And it was nice that he said that because that made it official. That made it final that this demon spirit could come back no more. And Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen earth is loosen him. So when you bind and loosen, do these things and cast out demons, you can also say and come back no more and enter him no more. So this thing had entered him. It was blocking up something in his brain, in his, in his, in his physiological being as well as manifesting as a spiritual thing. So the body, soul, and spirit come to, together can be attacked at any level, and, but there has to be a spiritual agreement for any manifestations to come. And maybe for this man, maybe the agreement was fear. Maybe the child was born this way, the man saw it, and he said, oh, no, and gave up on, on hope and just kind of settled into the crazies um, with trying to keep up with his son. So um, he looked like he was dead. The, the spirit came out and he convulsed him. Sometimes when things uh, are doing that, coming out, there will be a, a yawn, there'll be a sigh, there'll be a sneeze, there'll be a convulsion, there'll be a something. But you will know really when it's gone because there'll be a change. There'll be a difference. And he became like one dead. So they said, oh, no, he's dead. Jesus, you killed him. But Jesus took him by the hand. Jesus had complete confidence that this needed to happen. This was part of the deliverance process in this case and lifted him up and he rose. Many times people are saying, oh, no, she's dead. He's dead. You know, you killed him. Uh, the little girl, the 12-year-old, she's dead. You know, why do you bother? Uh, Lazarus is dead. You know, and, and all these, Jesus went beyond fear to go to the other side of death or looking like the appearance of whatever, and received the, the healing, received the answer, received the gift from God that was just on the other side of that, that veil of fear, just on the other side of that terror, just on the other side of that panic, there was the, Jesus was there. He was in the midst of it. He was operating. He was doing it. He was uh, managing the situation and he was reaching his hand through that dimension beyond the, the curtain of fear, reaching his hand in to pull out the, the, the gift of healing. And right now I believe that some of you are getting this and I'm saying, yes, Lord, reach your hand in beyond their fear, beyond their doubt. And for your sake and for your name's sake, and because the devil is lying and cheating and stealing and telling him lies about who they're reach in your hand, Lord God, and give them the breakthrough. I pray for right now, huge, unbelievable, life changing breakthroughs and deliverances for you because Jesus is good, because he wants you free. He wants you to live in a breakthrough. He does not want you to be annihilated by the tormenting spirits that have taken over your life. And so that's, that's autism. Um, I have a whole uh, CD on that, teaching on that. And that's part of the commercial that you heard, um, Why Can't I Concentrate? Also, out of that kind of a deaf and dumb spirit, an autistic spirit uh, that also seizured the boy, there was epilepsy involved there and a lot of 
people have that. That's also spiritual. That's very spiritual. That's not how God created our bodies to behave. That's demonic. And so, but the, um, another thing that happens is that people don't think of this as a demon is what I call aggressive passivity. The demon of passivity is aggressive to keep you from entering into your world, to making conversations, to examining um, the revelation of Jesus Christ, or even wanting to seek that revelation. We're living on the, the you know, the surface of our life, probably the first, you know, uh, tenth of a tenth of a hundredth of a centimeter of depth in our life, when in fact we could be going down and, and digging deep and and getting the nutrients that God wants us to have. So that includes shallow living, shallow conversations, shallow, shallow, shallow relationships. And people these days are living in a very, very shallow world where they're very passive. They're afraid to make a, a, a declaration or what, you know, especially if it's a declaration for truth. I mean, they don't seem to be afraid of spouting off and being used by the devil to, to speak lies and, and spew into the atmosphere agreements with wickedness that that's just right out there right now blatant in front of everybody um that's what's creating the suffocating effect even now in the atmosphere uh if you feel that that spiritual pressure it is because this wickedness is going on the best thing we can do as the remnant is just petition the high court of heaven forgive these people and ask god to release revelation health healing fresh air uh and truth and to repent of the sins confessing the sins turning changing your mind uh, but this aggressive passivity, which plagues so many relationships, it comes out of fear, it comes out of shutdown, stupor, deaf and dumb, mute spirit. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what they'll think. I'm afraid to talk. I don't know. And see, the people who have an aggressive passivity in their conversations do not know they have it. They do not know. They're spiritually unaware of it. You as the, the, the bystander or the, the other person in the relationship may see it, may feel it, may get frustrated with it. But you, your job then is to pray that they will see it, that God will give them eyes to see, because at this point, they are going to have to come into an summit agreement with the truth. And, and even though, you know, sometimes by faith, we come into an agreement with the truth and say, you know what, um, you know, you, it's like an alcoholic. You can, you know, you do the intervention, you try to get them to believe, and, and you show them the sales slips and all the, the booze they bought and the empty bottles and this and that and whatever. But until they humble themselves until there's a breakthrough and they actually see what they're doing. And there's a revelation there. Um, you know, it's like dragging a dead weight up a mountain. You've got to, they, you've got to pray for them to have eyes to see. And this is a gift from God that is coming against that spirit of blindness and passivity. Um, because if we're passive, we're under that stupor. What are we going to do for the kingdom of God? We're going to be swept away, swept like a broom sweeps dirt. That dirt is helpless against the broom. That's going to, we're going to be swept away by the torrents of wickedness that are going to overtake this world. So we cannot be uh, passive. We cannot be aggressive. We have to, be, have to uh, stand and know that we know what we know. Um, it's not about being defended or protected by being quiet. It's about knowing who you love, knowing who loves you, and taking a stand. Um, so this is part of the problem. The, the body fails to function. So under all of this constant... Um, uh, deception, uh, subtle, diabolical deceptions. We are easily uh, being attacked by demons and don't know it because we're so used to it. We're so it's just who we are. It's just who I am. It's who they are. It's life. It's normal. It's natural. It's it is what it is. And so these are all agreements that we make with never. The, and we say, well, nothing is going to change. Nothing ever changes. You know that I'm like this and this is where I'm going to be. That's got to change. Everything is going to change. Nothing ever will stay the way it is right now. Not a thing. Not one thing. We're not going to be standing on ground. We're not going to be breathing air. There's going to be a change that comes that we're not even going to be needing to eat food if we don't want to. There are changes coming. You're not going to be in this life, in this place, in this tormented condition. There are, there's another destiny. And God wants you to be in the destiny with him forever in heaven in that place where all tears are wiped away and there's great love. Um, so f failing to understand this, and how this works in the physical body, um, the diseases, the, the organs, the, the attack against the systems, the systemic kinds of dysfunctions, um, autoimmune disorders, inflammation. Inflammation is another one where actually going back to the anger and bitterness, it's swallowed anger, it's bitterness. Inflammation, swelling, swelling is anger internalized. Um, 
there's, you know, the body, obviously, you know, we understand the dynamics of the white, the the white blood cells and, and protections and they're eating up the bad things and blah, blah, blah. And that's their good job. That's their job. That's good. They're good. Um, But inflammation is uh, an inflaming an anger, a rage and anger turned inward. And so it, 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 it exacerbates, it it comes out of the injustice, the offense. So if you're having a lot of inflammation, and you're trying to get rid of it, you ask the Lord to show you the offense or offenses that have caused the inflammation. Just ask the right questions and you get a better answer um, than if you don't ask the right questions. You know, we just take the medicine, whatever, but go to the root. Lord, what is the, the offense? What's the injustice here? Why is my body so reacting? I mean, your inflammation is your body's reacting against something. It's angry against something. Uh, and you say, well, it's just the disease. Well, we, uh, yeah. Uh, the disease is, 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 is part of the, the hook, maybe, but the inflammation may be causing the disease. We don't know if it's the chicken or the egg that came first. But, and the same with infections. That's like unclean spirits. That's like um, uh, we don't think it's strange. Oh, everybody gets sick. Uh, everybody has pain. We don't think pain is, is you know, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a counterfeit pain. God has given us pain as a warning. To, you have to break your leg, the pain comes so you don't walk on the, the bone or the leg. Uh, that's a good thing. But when pain goes on and on and on and on and on and on, and, you know, 20 years after you broke your leg, uh, that's not God. That is not God. That is a demonic spirit of pain. Um, so we don't think it's strange. We, we don't stop and say, well, wait a minute, what is this? Uh, we, just, we just buy into the scenario. Um, so, you know, and, and, and you know, you say, well, I, I, this is crazy. This can't happen. Oh, demons can't be inside of me. They can't be messing with me, my frequency. They can't be, you know, you know, sending neurological impulses, uh, you know, pain and, and whatever, making ulcers. No, they can't possibly. But we, we don't cringe at the idea of science telling us that they're going to be able to make little computer chips to insert into our bloodstream. How is that any different? You know, there's something in there, a foreign entity, a foreign body that wasn't created and originally there. And this is the same thing, but we can buy into the science, but we can't believe the spirit. Um, so just because you can't see something and it's invisible, the entity is obviously, most of these entities are invisible. If we got to see the demons every day, we'd so freak out, we would have to uh, live with a bag over our head or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so these, these intelligent designers put a design, a plot against us in our systems, neurologically, um, fill, uh, with our health and physically anxiety, stress. So God is asking us to do like he did the man uh, with the boy. Just bring your unbelief, take a leap of faith, surrender to God, say, Lord, help my unbelief. I can't do this anymore. Um, and let Jesus reach his hand of faith in beyond the, the curtain of fear and bring out for you your healing and your, um, your encouragement, your vision, your revelation, your dynamic life back. And, and so this is just, I mean, obviously we got to quit right now, but we could talk for a long time on all this because we just got started. But I'd like to turn you to a couple of opportunities. First of all, would you please uh, sign up with us on Twitter? Um, you can go to my Twitter account. I think it's Life Recovery Inc. And we'll, then you'll get these blog radio shows right on your Twitter. Twitter's the thing these days. Get with the program, people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, and, and so you can get the shows. Also, we're going to be re- releasing our blogs um, on Twitter. Uh, so you don't even have to sit at your computer. You can take it on your phone. It's all compatible with your smartphones, not flip phones. But um, so if you can ch- just do that and then go to liferecovery.com and check out our stuff there. Um, liferecovery.com. There's lots of blogs, lots of information. The radio shows we have a true light church meets in Dayton, Minnesota, uh, 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings um, in the Dayton city hall. Uh, and we also have um, uh, lots of opportunities for you, information, books, manuals, whatever. So stay encouraged in the Lord. And Father, we pray right now that you are good. We know you're good. We declare you're good. You're awesome and good. You're not a God of fear, but a God of love. And for each one who's struggling today, I pray that you'd prevail against the, ear, the fear, the evil one, the sinister, subtle designs, plots against their life, that they will begin to see it. Give them eyes to see it, ears to hear it, and a heart to know it. And Lord Jesus, may you give them a hunger for your word, and may we eat your word up like food. It is our daily bread. It is truly our daily bread. And I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your promise. I thank you you cannot lie. I thank you that you're good. I thank you that you've prevailed against the enemy. 
and that we are more than conquerors because you defeated him. You paid the price. You bought and paid for us, Lord, with your own blood. So bless each one today, and may they be encouraged and strengthened. And, oh, by the way, people, tell somebody else about Rescue Radio. That would be great. Thanks. God bless. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.